Welcome to the Skeptic Wire. No, it's not. Well, today, see, yes. unlike other podcasts, we tell you the day on which we're recording, not the day on which we're releasing this. So today, for us, it is the 1st of February, 2012. This is podcast number 43 of The Skeptic Wire. Yay! Yay! I am an host, Gary Lawn, and with me, per usual, are Greg Prine. Fwibble. Foible? Fwibble. Yeah, okay. And Donna Swafford. Yeah, science can't prove that. Hmm. Therefore, God did it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so what we have, uh, we have birthdays today. We have... Or this week, I guess. Skeptically-ish themed birthdays, and we... Good, um, dead, ugly? Yeah, not so much. I have a couple good and one just plain ugly. Which got, which ones do you want first? You know, let's let's be different. Let's start with the ugly. Start with the ugly? And get better. Who was born on January 29th, uh, a couple days ago, uh, 1954? Hmm. The guy who played My Favorite Martian. Um, I have no idea, so I'm not going to say no, but... <laughs> Godzilla! I, I don't know. Billy Zane. I don't know. No. Oh. Well, do you want a hint? Sure. sure. You get a hint! And you get a hint! And you get a hint! And is this person on the cover of all of this person's magazine line? Yes. She is. <laughs> Would that be the Oprah? Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, I don't know what Oprah sounds like, so I thought it'd be dramatic. So Oprah Winfrey has her had her TV show, lots of pseudoscience, and uh, started the queers of quacks like Doctor Phil and Hemet Oz. What started the queers of quacks? <laughs> I may not have enunciated yet. yet. That as careers, well as I should have. The careers of quacks. The careening careers of quacks. Such as Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil. Yes. One of whom is actually was, and I suppose is, a medical doctor. Guess who it is. Um, so, but, yeah. you know, at the same time, though, I mean, Dr. Phil actually did start with a legitimate job and practice of being a, a jury analyst. You know, he really did use mm-hmm. his powers of perception for... For good. Well, anything to do with lawyers, you know, I don't That's know. That's debatable about whether or not it's good. <laughs> yes, let's ask Cranston West High School. <laughs> yes, so Oprah Winfrey, born January 29th. Happy birthday to you, despite the fact that you always get the Pegasus Award for being crappy with science. But there you go. But you know, you know who's... The opposite of Oprah Winfrey in that she's a cheerleader for science and creates good products that promote science and critical thinking. And she was born on February 1st today at a certain point, probably in the 20th century. Procter and Gamble. (laughs) (laughs) Both of them? No. No, because there's actually two, right? Well, there's one that I know of, which is... Amy Roth, better known as Surly Amy from the Skeptic blog, but also Surly Ramix is her 
her company where she sells ceramic jewelry and it's all science and skeptically themed. Well, most of it is. And it's a very easy way to to find out if you're at a skeptical convention before the convention starts, who there is from the convention, because you'll see them walking around with the Surleys, either that or a Teach the Controversy t-shirt. So she was born today. Very interesting. So who else was born today skeptically themed that I don't know about? Producer, director of Godless, our friend Kelly Cook. Oh, Oh, friend of the podcast. Yes. Hello, Kelly. I don't know why I went Irish there for no reason. but Happy birthday, (laughs) Kelly. We'll see you next. The Skeptic Wire will see you next month. Yay. In Houston. In Houston. Yes. Planet Houston. Houston. (laughs) I thought it was Houston. No, it's Houston. No, Houston's the part in New York. Yes, and Houston is the way they, they pronounce it on Superman 2. So, continuing on. <laughs> Podcast distribution. Do we want you, you fellow listeners? Well, actually, I'm not a, I'm not a listener. Are you a listener? I don't listen. I listen to the show. <laughs> Just to try to remember what we talked about last week. Uh, no, the only way that I listen to it is when like my family calls me up and goes, ah! <laughs> So they're they're happy about it, right? No. Oh. Hmm. Very sad. Well, one of my friends uh, let me know that she is not a, the biggest fan of iTunes and doesn't use it very much. So in in order for her to get the podcast, it's she has to go to our, our website, uh, the blog page, and download the file directly and then deal with the whole thing. And she just suggested we use some other service as well. Um, and we put a poll on our Facebook page to say, to ask our listeners, in what other ways do you get podcasts so we can do maybe one or two more ways of distributing the podcast? Preferably uh, free ways. Yeah. Or low cost That's or simple F-R-E-E, ways. Not the number three pronounced like a child. <laughs> or if anybody knows, um, blogspot type stuff really, really well and can tell us how to f- easily incorporate the RSS, R- RSS. RSS. File thing feed. Ers- you mean R R S S? Our R S S R S S It's gonna take us an hour to say our S S S R S S. Or not. Some of us are just kinda gonna give up and keep moving, but if if anybody has any suggestions of other ways that might be simpler for them to get our podcast, we've heard some suggestions like Stitcher, but we don't know much about it. So if anybody has any information or has other ways that they get podcasts and would like us to distribute it that way, please let us know. So we have some exciting news. Donna, what yes. news from you, from your end of the world? From my end of the world. Actually, um, I was contacted by uh, Noel George, who runs um, Mothers Beyond Belief. She asked for some help making a video for the Richard Dawkins Foundation Let's Go to Reason Rally contest, their 10-point vision contest. And we just got news that our video made the final cut of seven. So it was judged by Richard Dawkins, Sean Faircloth, um, Elizabeth Cornwell, Thunderfoot. So please go and vote for our video. That's awesome. Or you know what? Just go and vote. Pick your own video. Hopefully it'll be mine. Yes. We would prefer if you voted, but we're not going to try and pharyngulate anything. So besides looking for Donna as one of the creators of it, is there a specific name um, of the It is called file? Freedom, Equality, and Respect. 
Freedom, quality, and respect. Oh, America, <laughs> fuck yeah! <laughs> oh, I was I was going Moulin Rouge, but that's fine. Okay. <laughs> well, actually, Gary, you've got some really interesting news. It looks like up on the big board. Why don't you tell us what locks, boobs, and a rectum all have to do, <laughs> have to do with the podcast? <laughs> well, the um. Let's start with Locks of Love. Great charity. I, I, indeed. Uh, I know that you're going to do something for well, that. I'm, well, I'm doing the um, St. Baldrick's Foundation. Many people who do the St. Saint Baldrick's Saint Challenge also do provide their own hair as donation to Locks of Love. Unfortunately, my hair is not long enough to uh, qualify because right. it is not 10 inches. So Well, no, wait. Uh, what's the difference between St. Baldrick's and Locks of Love, then? Locks of Love just takes a donation of 10 inches of hair, no money involved to make wigs for children with cancer. Okay. St. Baldrick's, people volunteer to shave their heads to raise money for children's cancer oh, research. Oh, I see. Okay. So, oh, I see. St. Baldrick's having... is more of a solidarity thing. Okay. Yeah. Or walking around the, the block, and every time you go around the block, you get like 50 cents or something. Yeah. So it appears that... A uh, 17-year-old who uh, survived a leukemia when he was really young and also has a friend uh, who has cancer uh, was growing out his hair for locks of love, again, sort of in solidarity of, of this friend and because he had uh, survived. Survived, survived cancer. And he's, in, he's 17 years old. He's like a senior in high school in Michigan. And he was suspended. Because the uh, board or the powers that be decided that his hair did not fit into the image of their little high school. Yeah, the the rules say for the school that for boys, quote, hair must be clean, neat, free of unnatural or distracting colors, off the collar, off the ears, and out of the eyes. Right. So your hair wouldn't qualify. Probably not, but, you know, neither would a mullet. That's off the ears and a mullet might qualify because it's off the ears and it's out of the eyes, but it's just. But it might be distracting because it's stupid. That's a mullet. (laughs) (laughs) So, so they, uh, and that's a very 50s type of. Right. And now here's my question. I know what they mean by this, but what exactly is an unnatural color? Because there are no unnatural colors. You can find all the colors in nature. Blue. You can find blue in nature. That yes, but, natural. but people don't naturally grow those, so, right. so you can't That's dye not a your natural hair, hair tone. Words. Like, hot pink is not but a natural color. I, I hate that term. An unnatural hair color. Unnatural. <laughs> For humans. Okay. okay. But they don't ever say that. This is true. Yeah, so, so there is... He probably has a case if he just... If you want to do it legally. But he would then ask uh, them to sort of weigh the rules and... And allow him to do this thing, and they said no. How how short sighted and bloody minded is that of them? This person is actually doing something good, and these old fuckwits can't get it into their idiotic little heads that that this is something to encourage. It's like to make the exception because he is going to donate the hair. It sounds a lot like those kids who get. Suspended from school for bringing Tylenol to school because they have a zero um, zero drug policy, zero, zero tolerance drug, policy. Yeah. Exactly, so that 
anything that is quote unquote a drug is technically illegal, so they get suspended. Yeah. So they suspended him because as he was growing his hair out, there is a point when you can't pull it back. Yes. Right. You have to. You have to use a uh, what are those things? You have to use some sort of yeah. device to get out of your eyes and and to pull it back. I used to have long hair. I know about this. Uh, yep, it's that that weird in between stage between when it's shortish and it just kind of hangs okay, and then it's actually long enough. But then there's that ugly in between stage that is the reason why I haven't grown my hair back out again. <laughs> right, and that's that's why they noticed it and suspended him. I suppose they can't. He can't wear hats either. I oh would no, <laughs> the, the the people who are bad about hair. Are bad about hats. Bad about hats too. In high school, I had I already had long hair by the time high school came around. Nobody sent said into me anything to me one way or the other. But there was one history teacher in senior year who was the kind of old fashioned person who said, "Boys in my class must take off their hats, but girls don't have to." Yeah, I had a, I had a professor in college who was that yep. way, and he made an exception once because. <laughs> The, the kid came in, freshman, he was teaching uh, freshman uh, engineering design, and the kid came in <clears throat> with with his cap on, and he was asked to, to move it, and he pulled the cap off, and he went, <laughs> <laughs> it just went everywhere. Like, Uber oh, okay. kind of thing. Yeah, okay, I understand. We'll just go ahead and hide that, because that will be more distracting than your hat. <laughs> yeah. The this This teacher in high school... Um, basically, we had kind of gone back and forth on this the entire year. It's like, well, why? Why should guys have to take off their hats, but girls shouldn't? It should be all one or the other. We're supposed to be all equal now. What's going on here? It, it got to like- the point where the before the the day of final exams, I was wearing a hat, and I said, you know what? No, I'm not going to take off my hat. I'm just taking an exam. I'm not distracting anybody. I'm not going to take off my hat. I ended up taking the final for that class in the principal's office <laughs> and acing it. <clears throat> so, ha, 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 But the, the kind of, like, just, like you said, stuck in the 50s mentality of guys have to have the short tr- trimmed hair. I'm sure they're not big on facial hair either. Okay, Probably. I went to a Catholic conservative all-girl school. So you can't speak. So I can't. (laughs) (laughs) They probably weren't big on facial hair either. No, but but Sister Mary George, she, she, yeah, she... So it might have been Sister George Mary? Yeah. (laughs) So that was, uh, I think that's a a very bad decision. I think they're, they're giving... Of a bat, they're they're setting a horrible example yeah. by not making an exemption for something that is good and not not being flexible in their thinking and their right. thought and not and, being skeptical. And this zero tolerance policy never works. A no. one size fits all design never works, especially with T-shirts. Exactly. exactly. I, I once went to a youth club thing in, in high school, and we were given one-size-fits-all T-shirts. They stopped right here, uh, two <laughs> inches above the belly button. Did you, uh, did, did, did it, but it, you got it on, right? Yes, but this was way before the whole midriff thing started with... <laughs> and really, the midriff thing has never no. started with guys. No. Except and it, for a certain segment of guys who um, tend to just have, a, this have way. a parade every year. <laughs> Keep digging, Gary. Keep damn digging. Fine and fabulous parade <laughs> too. <laughs> the Irish. Yes. Sure. 
But speaking of bad decisions, the Susan G. Komen charity has suddenly decided, well, not actually suddenly, but they have decided to not support uh, Planned Parenthood and have pulled all funding for breast exams that they were giving to Planned Parenthood. They basically, they fund grants for breast exams and breast Breast health. That's breast health and stuff like that and decided to pull it. Yeah, it's and they were citing some bullshit. Was it? Well, they're they're saying uh, one of them is that they want to distance themselves from abortion, uh, but they're also concerned that one senator in Congress, in the Senate, one congressman, is started a a uh, a witch hunt trying to find something bad about. Uh, the funding, I think there was a, a questionable a question of right. where some funding that Planned Parenthood got uh, went. Yeah, they, it was uh, Republican Representative Cliff Stearns, who, who basically want, you know, he's been asking for audit reports for the last 20 years or something like that of when they get federal money, how do they delineate what can and cannot go towards abortion? And from what I understand, from, well, besides Zero. the fact that very a very small percentage of what Planned Parenthood actually does is abortion, there's also the fact that they, I, my understanding, they're pretty rigorous in their they they abortion in their accounting of where the money comes from and where it goes because they know they've got people watching over their shoulders. But the Susan G. Komen released a statement saying that the reason that they stopped is because. Because of this controversy, it's not, you know, they were like, we're fiscally, right, but there's some bullshit about being fiscally obligated to not get involved and blah, blah, blah. Well, I think in their bylaws, they have something that says that if anything's being investigated by Congress, they're going to pull back from, but I think they're just hiding behind that policy. Of course they are. Yeah, because... because they have, they're going against what they stand for, which is woman's health, having to do with breast cancer. Uh, Planned Parenthood, unfortunately, is a place where a lot of women have to go because they don't have health insurance. It's a cheap alternative and maybe may their only alternative to go for breast screening. The other side of that is is that the new head of the Susan G. Komen ran in Georgia for governor on a very anti-abortion platform. That would be Karen Handel. Thank you. She's the never current know. senior vice president of public policy oh. at the uh, Susan G. Komen Foundation. The other side of this, the, personally, I don't give to the Susan G. Komen Foundation uh, because of their um, their administrative fees. Their administration fees based on the CFC, because the CFC has to report how much of your, your donation goes... Um, to for, administration versus for, actual for charity. Right. Well, 20, and they are one of the highest ones listed in the CFC. Yeah, they, they have about 20% of all their money goes to actual research. Yeah. Only 20%? Oh. So 80% is admin and advertising? Uh, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, because anybody who says, for the cure, oops, we might get sued. I'm sorry. Right. Might have to cut that out. <laughs> So um, Robert I'm, I'm Smith not is going to be pissed. Uh, so I, I will, know. I will. I I do uh, runs, charity runs, you know, five Ks, ten Ks, whatever, um, throughout the year. 
And uh, I have done the Susan G. Komen yeah, runs. And I, did the I will Susan no longer G. do those. Yeah, I, I, will, I, did the I will Susan... do a cancer run, but I will no longer support Susan G. Komen's uh, foundation um, because of this, this action. Because yeah, we did, the, we did them in Germany. Them. So, yeah. There are a lot of people posting on Facebook today about uh, change.org and those kind of petitions. To... And move on.org and change. I, I signed those petitions up. So, yeah, so, so did I? Even if, and they wrote them a nice letter. Even if you don't <laughs> like the organization and even if they change their mind and you don't want to support them, the important thing is that you get your voice out there heard to say, we're not going to stand up to this kind of you know, conservative political pressure being put on health organizations. Yeah. And but this this goes back to Daryl Ray's book about sex, sex and God. You know, uh, where religion has to control sex, and so if the woman specifically has control of their se- sexuality and can go out and be screened or get an abortion or do that, then the churches really have no no more say in that. They mm-hmm. have to be controlled, right? And and this affects everything that's even tangentially related to that, including breast cancer screenings, because Planned Parenthood deals with women's health and family health, and because this one aspect is is tangentially related to women's health and abortion and sex, the the conservative side of our society freaks out. Right, and the big thing, of course, being abortion, but... The other side of this also is is when you look at the Susan G. Komen Foundation and you look at the people that are portrayed in it, you never see women of color, you never see minorities, you never see poor. It is always this white white bread. Uh, yeah, and I hate to say this, you know, Stanford and once wife. again, this is also class issues because yeah, the women that are going so. to Planned Parenthood are women who cannot afford insurance on their own. Yes. For whatever reason. Yep. And I, I have a lot of friends who go to Planned Parenthood and have in the past. And it's, it's what they can afford. But Planned Parenthood isn't just for women either. I mean, yeah. it's, uh, they do. Yeah, that's uh, why I wanted to say do, about families as well. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. They do guys can go testicular there do, checks yeah. and men's health and prostates and all of all of your ugly bits. Condoms. <laughs> just, you know. Yeah. Education. Like about men's health. There is a good thing that happened. Uh, just this past week, and that is Virginia State Senator Janet Howell, a Democrat, uh, attached to a bill that was to require ultrasounds for pregnant women before they get an abortion. She attached an amendment that would require men to have a rectal, a rectal, a rectal exam. God, I can't even say the word. A rectal exam and a cardiac stress test before obtaining a prescription for erectile dysfunction medication. And this is probably a good idea anyway, because if you can't get it up, there may be something wrong, so you better have this checked anyway. You might have vascular and, issues in the first place. Right, right. exactly. And so, you, well, you, it could be one of two things. Problems with your prostate, problems vascularly. Get them both checked out. Make sure that you are healthy enough to have sex. Yeah, Or, or take a pill that's going to raise your blood pressure and make you see blue. Yep. Which apparently can't happen. Uh, unfortunately, that failed. The bill still passed, I believe, but the I amendment so. got voted voted off. I mean, it, it was a stunt, yes, to be sure, but it was a good stunt. It's something Probably that the best is, one we've seen in yeah. a while. It's it's hard to it's, say 
that this sh- it's hard, it's one of those things that it's a stunt, but how can you argue against this men's kind health. of men's health? I'm, we're men, yeah. damn it. We should be required to, to have things stuck up our butts as well. Yes, because <laughs> earlier in the... I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to cut that out. <laughs> earlier in the conversation, you were talking about how the Texas has passed a sonogram law. Well, yes. it's not just... It's not the you know baby belly and the, the jelly and the sonogram on the belly sonogram. It is a probe up the hoo-ha sonogram. You can say the word... Vagina. No, no, because that'll, no, that'll I want run to into our emphasize how into our crude rating. No, wait, not crude. What's the word? Explicit. Explicit rating. <laughs> it's a vagina. No, I wanted to. It's a uterus. I wanted to express how invasive it is by that using the 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 word of hua, which is very kind of hua kind of. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if, Seeing as how I'm the only person in this room who's qualified. ever had that, it's a vagina, it's a speculum, they're cold. Okay. <laughs> but it's not the cold part of it. But anyway, yeah, it's... How do you know? <laughs> is what your point is. <laughs> okay, good point. But it's not just that it's cold, it's that it's very invasive, is the point I was trying to make. Okay. Yes. Having had a, a, a lower colonoscopy i am uh, well aware of in- invasions <laughs> so glad i'm not 40 yet okay and the need to pass gas horribly <laughs> yes, but you're I, getting there afterwards afterwards you were squeaky clean i was <laughs> i have the video to prove it okay <laughs> Anyway, so Janet Howell is is my new hero uh, of the week, or my hero of the week, uh, simply for for having a good amendment to to bring attention to the fact that this is a stupid and uh, a sexist, yeah. very much a sexist law. It, it does bring attention to the sexistness of the sonogram thing and how ridiculous it is, but unfortunately, it's not as good of a analogy for well, because because no. you know taking you know taking an exam to get a blue pill is very different from having an invasive exam before you get an abortion right but there's no need to have the invasive yeah. test before you have the abortion because, because just like there is no need to have somebody to actually, use your terms to go <laughs> actually there's probably more reason to have a a, a, a rectal and heart exam thing before the blue pill then before someone getting an abortion because the assumption of the sonogram laws is that the woman hasn't thought this through yet yeah. and that they're just going in on a whim of, well, I guess I'll have an abortion this weekend. I've got nothing else better to do. La-di-da well, or well, anything like that. you know, considering the fact that that little blue pill by Pfizer was the quickest updated and approved drug in yeah. history. That's a whole different hypocrisy. But, you know, the, the, the arrogance Men's of thinking... have erections. <laughs> the arrogance of thinking that, you know, 
the woman hasn't already thought this through. The woman hasn't already discussed this with the father, with their parents, with their friends saying, what should I do? Should I do adoption? People think about this already. They don't need to have that additional step. It's an unnecessary, unnecessary they step. They already have to walk past assholes with placards to get to yeah. one anyway. Which yeah. they have their, their free speech rights. They can say, we don't think what you're doing is right. Sure. They just shouldn't throw things or be or violent. Or block the way. Yes. Yeah. And really, they shouldn't yell at them either. So I think actually this rectal exam law is a better law than the sonogram law. Yeah, maybe maybe we should uh, start picketing uh, men's health clinics for people going in to get their little blue pill. <laughs> God doesn't want you to have sex. Duh. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of people on the religious right protesting uh, male erections, male erection medications. <laughs> because God damn it, that's the way the Lord intended it. Yeah. <laughs> but moving well, on. Uh, well, you know, here's about the thing. women's health. More about women's health. High heels. Women wear them for a variety of reasons. There's cultural reasons behind it. Um, high heels are considered the standard of women's footwear. Women own three to four times more shoes than a man does. An average man owns basically like a pair of sandals, a pair of running shoes, a pair of boots, and then maybe two pairs of dress shoes, where women own a lot more. Two pairs of dress shoes. Brown and black, usually. <laughs> oh, or, sure. Or a couple different black, one lace-up, one slip-on dress okay, shoes. Okay, wow, you put way too much thought into that. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> So are, what, about, what about dress platform shoes? Are those still in style? Because I got some with goldfish in. Anyway, continue. I think we're going off the rails a bit there. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, the, plus there is that cultural norm of how lately heels have been getting taller and taller and taller. And how, you know, back in, say, the 80s and the 70s and even, you know, 50s, 60s and 40s, there was inch-and-a-half to two-inch day heel that you wore to work, and anything taller for that was nighttime or, for lack of better words, slutty time. <laughs> <laughs> and nowadays, those three, four, intolerant shoes are common in the workplace. The problem is, those shoes are now having a tremendous effect on women's health. And how is that? Well, the higher heels are placing an undue stress directly on the toes, the arch is losing the ability to absorb shock, fractures, bunions, lower back pain, a shortened Achilles tendon, reduced mobility. Very important. Have, I know you haven't done this. You may have. Have you ever tried to run in high heels? No. See, I, I knew about the dress thing. I no, no, no. The no, heels no, went with no, it. I wear the dress to run in. But he still wears sneakers. I, I wear, yeah, I wear running shoes. Oh, okay. He's not yeah. crazy. Yeah. High heels are difficult to run in. It's almost impossible. And well, it's yeah, running on tiptoes. Like yeah. You know, plus it is actually, there is more, when you, you wear high heels, you shorten up the calf muscle, and it's now taking more energy to walk the same distance as somebody who traditionally wears flats or tennis shoes. I found it interesting in this article that they were talking about the reason why it takes more energy is that when you're normally walking, your tendons kind of stretch and snap together, stretch and snap together. They're quote-unquote designed, not to get any creationists all happy right now, but the tendons... The way they work. 
yeah, the way tendons work is that they're built to basically absorb, to stretch to create this energy yeah. to snap back and do this thing. But people who wear high heels, men and women, very often, they the tendons don't do the work of walking. It's all in your muscles, like you said, in the calf. So the energy required for for doing that is is doubled because uh, more because it's not the natural just springiness that's saving that potential energy but it's active muscle energy doing this and it's just and it's inefficient in that it it makes you walk in a incorrect way even when you're not wearing high heels if you're mm-hmm. habitually wearing high heels you still walk weirdly even without them right which is also hmm. leading to injuries in places like gyms or running because they've because they're working condi- out in a high heels. No. no, 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 no. Because they've conditioned the muscles and everything else to be in a certain position that when they turn around and switch it into a flat, like a running shoe, because they've had to change their gait and everything, it's leading to injuries there as well. Hmm. It's kind of a shock to the system because they're. The foot and the ankle and all that is so used yeah, to being in that pointed position, position that mm-hmm. it's just immediately doing it in the right angle position of the normal foot. Right. So then just, you're stretching out the tendon that's normally normally up shortened. And, right, yeah. and, the, and in addition, the what they have found is that it's not taking long for women to develop this unnatural position and propination of their foot. It's mm-hmm. taking just a few years. The 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 the. Um, the subjects in the study. Now, there were only 10 and 10 subjects, 10... 10 flat wearers, 10 high, regular high heel wearers. Right. And what they said was that the the experimental group, they just had to be wearing high heels 40 or more hours a week. So basically your work week for a few years. Right. So even that is bad. But uh, also assuming that you're wearing the high heels the entire time that you're in the office... Uh, standing up on them. No, Perhaps. they said just wearing just them. Wearing them. Oh. So even if you're wearing them while you're sitting, you're still getting the same oh, okay. thing. So they recommended mm-hmm. that... If you're sitting at your desk, take just take your well, high heels. Yeah, because that's, that's actually... A lot of the females I know, when they sit down at a desk or whatever, they'll take the, right. the heels off. Or they'll go out at lunch, they'll bring sneakers with them and yeah. do a half an hour around the building at lunch. That would be good. Or or just wearing be better than not wearing yeah them. wearing heels three days a week would probably be even better so right. that you're you're positioning your your tendons and your muscles in different ways so it's get it's getting stretched out it's not stuck in that one position yeah. kind of like when you made a face at your mother and she said you keep doing that it'll get stuck that way right this is a more literal interpretation of that yes but the statistics show that nine out of ten women wear shoes that are too tight for them. Eight out of ten women admit to wearing shoes that hurt, and women are nine times more likely to develop a foot problem due to improperly fitting shoes compared to men. Yep. So, and, and a little helpful tip, tip from a heterosexual guy, we're not really noticing your shoes. I notice the legs and the butt. Right, and that is what a high heel is designed to do. A high heel is designed to raise your heel, which basically juts your butt out and your yeah. boobs out, too. I, day in, day out, see very, very attractive women who have very nice legs and very nice butts who are wearing flats or sneakers. No, I agree with that. So, right, and I agree with it, too, because, I mean, you guys see me, I almost never wear heels. Yeah. I'm, but 
a high heel is designed to... Well, it just kind of makes you stand on your tippy toes. And, and put the girls out there. And we like it. Put, I like it. <laughs> I don't require it, because if you're just standing there in flats, it kind of works that way, too. So Yeah. yeah. And I'm weird. I'm not a fan of lingerie, either, so... There's something for saying au natural. Yeah. I don't care about the gift wrapping. I just want the toy inside. (laughs) (laughs) Which reminds me, Daryl Way will sign your sex toys at the Reason Rally if you find him. If you bring your sex toy, Daryl Way will sign them and sign a copy of his book, Sex and God. And we'll film it. (laughs) If we're there, sure. If we're there, we'll film it. (laughs) And if we don't, you should. We should get a whole, yes, whole YouTube channel. Pictures. To Ray. We'll make a slideshow at least. Yeah. Send us your pictures of Daryl Ray signing your sex toys. <laughs> He's so gonna... speaking of sex toys, um, what's this about a uh, phallic thing in Britain being built based on an atheist temple forehead thing? So um, there's every once in a while on this podcast that we get into one of the the latest kerfuffles in the atheist skeptic blogosphere community, that kind of thing. At least this time, it's a fairly polite and boring controversy because it's all about the British, (laughs) which are all very polite. And, oh, well, I don't think so. I think that would be horrible. I don't I I, I disagree with you, sir. Um, They're just terribly British. Yes, exactly. What we have here is a little bit of a mini feud between Alain de Botton, which sounds like something made up for one of those carry-on films or something, and Richard <laughs> Dawkins. To say it sounds like a rectum, but... <laughs> <laughs> it nearly killed him. Yes. He is... Alain, <laughs> uh, 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 Mr. de Botton is a Swiss writer, television presenter, and entrepreneur who lives in the United Kingdom now. And um, he's got a master's degree in um, philosophy, and he began studying a PhD in French philosophy at Harvard. (laughs) Yes, because that philosophy degree pays just as much as an anthropology degree. Well, he's a television presenter. Yeah, well, basically he gave up his research to go and write books. And some people have talked to him as being... Someone who tries to um, represent philosophy in a way that it'll appeal more to the masses and kind of make it non-threatening, that sort of thing. But, well, his latest idea is stupid. Yeah. There, yeah. <laughs> there's actually, no other word for it. There, there have been plenty of Don't negative... Agree. Yeah, there have been ne- negative reviews about him as being kind of in a, pri- in a privileged position and kind of pompous and not understanding... Even more okay. so than ...the Dawkins. common person. Yes. <laughs> This is what makes say, it funny. On. He lives in Britain. It's just rubbed off on him. Yes. <laughs> well, Mr. DeBotton has a new book coming out called Religion for Atheists, A Non-Believer's Guide to the Uses of Religion. Mockery comes to mind. Yes. So one <laughs> Schmockery. Of the, and it's, it's a very much kind of touchy-feely where... You know, we're not as aggressive as, like, Christopher Hitchens and Richard Dawkins. Almost, we'll sing Kumbaya and almost, hug. It's very, it's almost accommodationist, kind of. We can cherry-pick what we like out of religion, and we don't have to hate it, you know, religion. We can 
we can just take out the god part and we can still have the good part of the rituals. Yeah, which eh. yeah, it it, it 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 the way he described it reminded me too much of Deepak Chopra and his use of quantum mechanics. It is very mm. much that kind of wooey. Yeah. Yes, very very much. Quantum-y. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's he's he's trying to. Well, say okay. what he's going to do, and so then we'll his, get to his it. proposal, which he seems to actually be well on his way to funding, is... Halfway. Well, that's well on his way. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, that's Wait sort a, of on his way. Way to step on my line there, Gary. <laughs> I didn't realize that we had a script. Yes. Obviously, <laughs> we're scripted. We make so much sense every single week. <laughs> So his proposal is to create in downtown London, amongst all the skyscrapers in the financial district, to create an atheist temple. <laughs> it would it Why? would be a um, it would cost approximately one million pounds, which for us Americans is about one point five million dollars. And that seems fairly cheap. That it sounds that especially in downtown London. Yeah, he was saying it would be forty six meters high. Which is approximately 150 feet. Was it made out of uh, cotton swabs? <laughs> well, what he was, what some of the things they're saying is that they want to make the walls out of various different kinds of rocks and maybe feature fossils and stuff like that. That'll kind of reflect yeah. the natural world, and that every 10 centimeters in this building represents a million years of time. So you mean like a museum? Might have. Yes. Or does have. Yes. Timeline. But in a more artistic, chapel-y way. So more like a museum or a, an art exhibit <laughs> place. Yes. So it's it's basically, <laughs> you've seen some pictures online, and, and Gary just earlier described it as fairly phallic. Yeah, it I, really is it's just mo- this. It's more, it's more like a giant butt plug. Yes, this huge <laughs> giant butt plug smack dab in the middle of London. And as if us atheists didn't have a bad enough reputation for debauchery. (laughs) Why, it's practically Dionysian. Yeah. (laughs) So, the response from Richard Dawkins has been, basically it boils down to two quotes. I think there are better things to spend this kind of money on. And if you're going to spend money on atheism, you should improve secular education and build non-religious schools which teach rational, skeptical, skeptical with a C, critical thinking. Well, they are British. Yes. So it's, you know, this, they're, the, the press... more like skeptical. The press loves this kind of back and forth between the oh, infighting yeah. of atheists. There is even um, an article... In Christian Today, Christianity Today. Now, they just went over the basic facts of it, but they like to harp on the fact that we atheists are kind of fighting with each other of what uh, atheism really Oh, yeah, like really Christians means. never fight amongst themselves. Yeah. <laughs> but they like the controversy because it's not them. For once. Yeah. But, I, so, uh, uh, Debaton's... Debaton? Debaton? Whatever. Debaton. Uh, his quote was, why should religious people have the most beautiful buildings in the land? It's time atheists had their own versions of the great churches and cathedrals. Why? I, I totally disagree with that. The architecture of the museums, maybe, no, I can't think really of any museum 
uh, major museum that doesn't have that isn't a, a beautiful place to go. Right. Uh, and that's what we have. We have uh, institutions of higher learning that are that are ours. Granted, a lot of them are institutional in their in and a their lot makeup. of them have gray boxes, but right. but a lot of them are, are quite nice. And you know, uh, go to the the mall in D.C., which will be in March. Great architecture on you know the the, the space museum, the Lincoln it? Memorial, the, the Lincoln Memorial, the, the what, what's what's Smithsonian. the big Smithsonian? Thank you. Jeez, why can I? Yeah, the, the Smithsonian, the the entire series of museums is, is yeah. fantastic. So he's wrong. He's just 100% wrong. And then to say that, oh, they have the most beautiful buildings in the world, that's okay. not true either. There are some truly beautiful churches. Of course there are. And there are and, some truly ugly ones, too. Yeah. So he, what he's doing is he's giving them kind of the upper hand. He's, he's yeah. giving them the high ground there by saying, oh, well, they have the most beautiful architecture. Well, well, the, the, at what cost? It really comes from <laughs> this guy, Elaine de Botton. Accepting the premise that once you give away religion, everything is this dystopian flat nightmare where you don't have any emotions, nothing's you don't have any joy out of life, and you nothing nothing good happens because you've you know it's just the real world and there's no awe and an inspiration. There in is there. awe and inspiration uh, in. Every there is awe and inspiration. The fact that we get this podcast off every week. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's admit yeah. it. There is awe and inspiration in every sunset and every sunrise and every snowflake that falls. And almost we choose not the majority of people, whether they are atheist or religious, just choose to ignore most of it. He's he's sure. kind of the anti Carl Sagan in that way, in that he's choosing to pretend that. The religion, like you said, religion is the only place that you have good architecture and good art. And the only thing that you can really get awe-inspired by is, you know, a, a mass by, by Mozart or something like that, which is religious in nature. Yes, there's very beautiful religious m- music that was written for religion. Sure. You know, we talked on the podcast several months ago about we went to the Tim Minchin show in Austin. And it was... I, that, 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 I'm talking here. <laughs> and the the show ended with Tim Minchin doing the song Hallelujah. And it's a beautiful song and everybody in the audience there which weren't all atheists but were a majority atheist and we all sang along to a beautiful song and you had this sense of community and it had it didn't have to be this temple idea that this guy is coming from. It's, it seems like he's he he's like I'm going to define what atheism should be. Right. Well, it was like the Hitchens talk at TFC. For most everybody, that was community. Everybody in that room felt like Hitch was talking to them. Yep. Even those of us way at the back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was an inspiration to see this guy, who as smart as he is, was fighting for life and wanted to just communicate with people as much as he could in the time he had left. And that was inspiration. Just like a museum is just an inspiration. Just like when reading this article and this guy was talking about how there's no inspirational architecture except for the churches. I was thinking the first thing that popped into my head was the Sydney opera house. 
That is not a religious building, but it's iconic for its presentation as this beautiful place. Right. We don't we don't need an atheist temple. We're trying no. to get away from the that dogma and claptrap. Right. And we don't need to use the terminology of religion to define us. Yes. Thank you. So I I, I think it's he's he's a He's a fool. He's on a fool's errand. Now, it's interesting, however, that he's got us talking about it, <laughs> which is good. But because it can, the more you talk about such things, the more you can actually define on what it would mean to, yeah. to, to have a place of reverence. But, I mean, uh, when Dawkins uh, saw uh, Darwin's notebook, you know, had a reverence because of, of the weight of time and what, what that symbolized. Right. You know, it's not a religious feeling, but it's a feeling of recognition of something that's important. So, like the, the Sydney Opera House, or even going downtown New York and seeing all the skyscrapers, this is something that humans have built. You know, it's, and if you take a step out of it and look on a, on a more philosophical view, it's a gorgeous place. Okay, it's New York. You know, well, yeah, but I mean, it's 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 <laughs> no. it's a blocky and the whole thing. But if you look at it from mm-hmm. a large point of view, it's it's amazing and it's inspiring that we have actually done something like that. As long as oh. you ignore the smell of pee pee, pretty I, much, I, I, yeah. But it well, doesn't it's like, like the pee same everywhere. with same with Hoover Dam or the Golden Gate Bridge, right? Yeah, I mean right. the Golden Gate Bridge to me is one of the most beautiful sights ever. Or Hemisphere Park. <laughs> Yeah, no. Yeah, that doesn't work for me. Yeah, sorry. I kind of pressed that one a little bit. <laughs> I guess the last thing I would take exception with the... Well, the last thing I'm going to suggest we talk about with Elaine de Bottom is what he was talking about is I take exception with how he frames the atheist argument where he's saying, because Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens' atheism has become known as a destructive force, but there are lots of people who don't believe, uh, who don't believe but aren't aggressive towards religion. And it, it falls into that, that, that phrase that I deeply and utterly hate, militant atheism. <laughs> it's that assumption that because you're not apologetic, about not believing and criticizing religion and religious ideas, that you're somehow being aggressive, that you're being destructive. And th- this this guy is just, you know, I don't want to fall into the trap of the no true Scotsman kind of, he's not a real atheist, he is an atheist, but I don't think he gets the point of humanism, which so, is... So he should be hanging out with S.E. Cup, then, is that what you're saying? I don't... Are, do you not know S.E. Cup? I'm sorry. I'm oh, a, she's she's the she's the Fox person. News um, Republican atheist, token atheist who wants to believe in God but can't. Right. Okay. And we're expecting for her fifth book to say that I have found God <laughs> <laughs> and to get more money. He was hiding behind the couch. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but hey, she's cute. That's all that matters. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was just Gary saying that. Not me, not Donna. It's all Gary. Write your letters to Gary via skepticwire at, at um, gmail.com. gmail.com. <laughs> all him. Post your hate mail to Gary on the Facebook page. That's right. Please annotate that correctly. <laughs> yeah. So, like you said, it's a, it's an interesting debate to have within atheist circles of, well, what do we really, besides the fact that we don't believe in God, now what? 
Yeah, no. Do we, do we, <laughs> you know, a lot of, uh, some of these articles, um, I, I just, I wanna, I, the, the way you said that, I just have this <laughs> picture of us, you know, oh, I don't believe in God. Now it is the same at the, at the end of uh, Finding Nemo. When yeah. they're all stuck in the little bags and they're they're finally in the ocean, they're like, well, now what? <laughs> well, one of the neat, it's a good question. Yeah, one of the neat um, headlines about this was on the LA Times blog site, which was atheist writers clash over how not how to not worship a non-existent god, because <laughs> that is kind of part of the problem of well, we always talk about atheism is just one question: Do you believe? Yes or no. Now what? You know, humanism, do you go there? Do you go with, you know, some kind of weird deism or something? Crystals. Yeah, it's all so about crystals. It, it's it's good it to have this conversation, but... Hmm. Hmm. I don't know what's going on over there. <laughs> we're you're, you're trying waggling, to figure out what to take the place. Of... You're waggling eyebrows at each other, making weird hmm noises. Well, she, I'm going with crystals. She's going with the divining rods. For, are we talking about the rectums again? What? <laughs> if you need a divine... I told you, I don't know what's going on. If you need a divining rod to find your rect, you've got bigger problems. What were you talking about? What do you replace the god with? Oh. And he said crystals, and I said divining rods. In your rectum. And you said rectum. Okay. <laughs> or you get a, a small model of the Atheist Museum, and you shove it up your rectum. <laughs> well, Elaine de Botton still has only raised about half of the million dollars, uh, million pounds that he says says it's going to cost. That could be a good fundraiser him, of for him, and he could sell them over at uh, adamandeve.com. I telegraphed that one, didn't I? <laughs> that might be a good fundraiser, and then you could bring and then it. You to... could buy your toys to have Daryl Ray sign them. Yeah. By your atheist butt plug, <laughs> your not your atheist butt plug, your your atheist, atheist temple. temple butt plug. So you're saying the rectum is the atheist temple, and and the mine's more of a drive-through. So, <laughs> so your rectum is the so rectory, cheap and fast, <laughs> pretty much. Write your hate mail to Gary. <laughs> Well, well, that's enough talk about rectum. So yes. why don't we just move on to the lightning, the lightning round? Rectum. Lightning round. Rectum. All right. So the lightning round, where each of us takes one or two topics and gets 90, uh, 90 seconds to talk about each one, and we do one or two rounds each week to just get through the stories that we don't have a lot of time for in the main part of the show. So we're going to start off this week with Gary Me. talking about something. Everything you thought you know about learning is wrong, according to a director of UCLA Learning and Forgetting Lab, Robert Bjork. Which is a great name for a lab. Yes, it is. Um, he says people try to tend to learn in blocks, and he recommends interleaving things with your learning. What does that mean? Well, um, let's see. Instead of doing that, the strategy suggests that instead of spending an hour working on your tennis serve, you mix in a range of skills like backhands, volleys, overhead smashes, and footwork. So work on stuff related to 
but not necessarily that particular one point. In addition to. In addition to. So, so it's sort of a, a full, full warm-up. Now, of course, that doesn't mean uh, if you're studying nuclear physics to go off and play guitar to become uh, a better uh, guitarist at the same time in hopes that'll help with your physics. Uh, but that's kind of what he does imply, is you have to do other things while this is going on. So he says, instead of making an appreciable leap forward with your serving ability after a session of focus practice, interleaving forces you to make imp nearly imperceptible steps toward the mini skills. But the problem with this, of, of course, is like if you're in something that's very intense, you kind of have to study that one thing. So it's, n it's not good advice to take it to the extreme um, and I'm not certain that it's really the best advice at all. But well, it's an interesting idea. At least study for something for an hour, maybe take a half hour break, then come back to it. You, It might help sure. you refresh it, that sort of thing. Absolutely. Good learning stuff. Well, time. just to weird things up, the host of this week's lightning round is going to go next, and we're just going to go in a circle that way. A testicular zap may stop sperm. So uh, some people at the University of North Carolina who got a grant from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation have been studying the concept of using an ultrasound pulse to essentially confuse the testicles into not making as much sperm as before. The idea is you kind of you, – you confuse the testicles and they're not making the sperm, so the sperm count goes down. But the thing is with this research is that – one, they have to figure out, well, okay, is this re reversible? Would this cause permanent damage? Would your all sperm produced after that be wonky or something? Can you know you stop this treatment and then have kids? But also, my question is, okay, if you're reducing the sperm count, you're not reducing it to zero. You're just making it low. All it takes is one sperm cell to get in there, and your lady friend is pregnant. But what about a confused sperm? Well, you know, it, it it just makes it, as far as they can tell, it just says it makes it produce less sperm. Not zero, not sperm with no tails, not sperm that needs glasses because it can't see the road or something, <laughs> but just less. So hmm. it's positive research in male contraception, which we need more of, would be great if we had a male version of the pill to combine with the effectiveness of the female version of the pill. Hmm. So good research needs more stuff. Work. Thing. thing needs more research that's what i was trying to word out of my mouth edge okay all right donna you have something else besides what we were talking about to talk about with your talking time yes i do two canadian 17 year olds just recently set up sent up a flag toting lego figuring into the sky on a weather balloon as part of a weekend project that costs less than 500 dollars. better yet they got some fantastic video of the toy silhouetted against the backdrop of a curving earth beneath a black sky. Not quite Lego man in space, but <laughs> some absolutely close. fantastic science shots. Two kids working together. The wind conditions were right as determined by a website that calculates balloon trajectories. They headed out to a soccer field, sent up an $85 weather balloon, and it rose to somewhere around 80,000 feet over the course of 65 minutes. Wow. It's really awesome photos. And it's Legos. Come on. It's Legos. And I really don't have anything else to say other than we've got cool kids doing cool science. <clears throat> awesome. Very nice. Yeah. 
Well, if we have another 30 seconds, I want to go back to mine really quick. Go ahead. Um, there's one thing he said, this this professor said that was stupid. He said, what, don't take notes during class. Take notes after class, and then so that way you, you, you force yourself to remember what, what you're supposed to learn. You're refreshing the memory. You're, you remember what you're supposed to forget? Exactly. But, but the, the problem with that is, one, most students have another class after that, so you're already two hours to three hours removed from that. Plus, you'll so. be forgetting dates and times and the specifics. Exactly. That was, you really need to take the notes on. It was a bad idea. So moving on from the thing you were just talking about to another thing that you're now going to talk, talk about. about. Yes, I'm going to talk about two things really quick. Uh, one is uh, there was a artist named William Uttermolen who was diagnosed with um, Alzheimer's disease, and he painted uh, pretty much until it took him over. And it's a very fascinating look into the mind of someone who's suffering from Alzheimer's as he's going through it. Because he was painting, he lost the ability to paint oils, and so he started going in, in chalk. So it's um, a series of self-portraits. It's a series of self-portraits. And, and there's other things, but he's, they, they uh, are doing a showing of his work um, uh, online and I think in New York. So I thought that was really fascinating. We'll have a link in, in the blog. And the other one is there's a failed inventions museum that's opening up in Austria. Uh, not America, but in Aust Austria. And, and not Australia. Not Australia. Uh, and so a guy named Fritz Gall has compiled a whole bunch of weird inventions that didn't work, including um, a little block that you hold in front of your eyes so that people don't know who you are, kind of like in porn films. <laughs> It's just really silly. So I want to go to Austria now because I, I love uh, kitschy stuff like that. It'd be like as seen on TV museum. I suppose you could just go to the dollar store. <laughs> well, or, that, that block in front of the eyes thing or remi big lots. reminds me of there was someone who invented this kind of um, – I can't remember the name of the thing, a balaclava, the kind of over-the-head kind of ski yeah, mask okay. thing. That was patterned to be looked like someone had pixelated your face, oh, awesome. so that you would not be picked up by cameras and stuff like that. So. <laughs> I wonder if that worked. Oh, yeah. So um, I've got uh, the next topic, and I believe my topic re requires a soundtrack. Uh, their top choice, so therefore we're going to finish off with this one. It's called "Looking for a City." In Tennessee, we have a couple of representatives who decided that um, they want to tell us all they know about science. We have Tennessee Representative John Reagan, who s said, A person is a, a heterosexual because of the presence of genitalia of one sex or the other. No one except a very few with exceedingly rare congenital deformity have both kinds of genitalia. So what this guy is saying is that people are only gay because they're born uh, with both sets of genitalia, which so is just wrong. they're born intersexed. Exactly. Oh, okay. Then that we have biology. Tennessee Sarcasm. lawmaker Senator Stacy Camfield, who said, "You hear that key, fee, key change? Isn't that great?" <laughs> Most guys. Okay. Most uh, Senator Stacy Camfield said. Most people realize that AIDS came from the homosexual community. 
He said, it's one guy screwing a monkey, if I recall correctly, and then having sex with men. It was a... (laughs) (laughs) I'm calling Mulligan right now. (laughs) It was an airline pilot, I recall. My understanding is that virtually, not completely, but virtually impossible to contract AIDS through heterosexual sex. This guy is a complete fucking utter moron, and he is someone's senator. Is this the guy that got kicked out of the restaurant? I have no idea. I All I know is he's a complete moron. I believe this is the senator that got kicked out of, um, he went to go eat at this restaurant in, there in, in Tennessee, and the, basically the restaurant went, we don't serve your kind here. We don't serve... He's taking a drink. (laughs) That was sent to me on Facebook via my childhood friend Shiraz who's uh, of Pakistani descent, and the comment that came along with it was, are you sure you don't want to go back to church? (laughs) I I, I actually watched that video. It's a hell of a lot funnier when you're not watching it. Yeah. Uh, Well, especially because... Just the key changes. Yeah, but I I have to say that the guy was totally not expecting to start where he started. Yeah. And so at the beginning, he's kind of looking over at the piano player going, oh, we're going to start there? What? Just nodding kind of, okay, hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Really, my ears are about to bleed. Okay. Okay. Sorry to make you follow that, Donna, but you're going to wrap up the lightning round with some stuff. With some stuff. Alaskan Airlines has decided to stop handing out prayer cards to passengers. Oh, thank goodness. Uh, okay. Sorry. Um, Alaskan Airlines started giving out passenger prayer cards in the late 70s, and since 2006, they were only giving them to the first-class passengers. Um, but basically what happened is, is people were complaining, and amongst other things, there was a guy named Gordon Bowker, who basically just started reciting the cards at the top of his voice. As they were Why would them. you give out prayer cards before people got onto your plane and flew in your plane? It's that bad. does not give me great confidence in the ability or your thought of how your ability it's is. It's bad enough you catch the airplane at a place called the terminal. Yes. The recitation provoked various responses from deep embarrassment in one of his regular flying partners to not and smiles from other passengers to the begging from flight attendants for him to stop. (laughs) Um, Maybe they should have prayed for him to stop. Basically, the CEO has said that they didn't make the decision lightly. Some enjoy the cards and associate them with their service, but we've heard many who believe that religion is inappropriate on a plane. Well, if if they want to call themselves uh, religious fanatic airlines, then I think you should probably expect a prayer card. Exactly. Sarah Palin apparently got off on it. She, she gets she was, off on a lot of things. Are we talking about rectums again? No. Okay. No, we're talking about Adam and Eve. Well, let's hope not because they're in a plane. <laughs> you know, Gary, I think you need to practice that in between shows. 
Well, but you know what? We we have extra special lightning round goodness now. We have more of this? No. Please don't. I, I hope that he's willing to drag you home if you keep this up. Oh, God. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the beautiful, beautiful key change that this moron does. Okay, I'll stop. That's horrible. For now. Uh, so, so take um, us in, Gary. Google. Google. Everybody's friend. Has, has uh, you know, gone from do no evil to um, uh, track everything you possibly do. But you can find out what Google thinks of you by, by going online and... Hopes, I hope that Google thinks I'm sexy. And that I'm, <laughs> I'm good with animals and children. It probably thinks you're... And that I read smart well, it's, books. It's, it's weird because you can have two different profiles. You can have a profile on your smartphone if you have a smartphone, and you can have a profile on your computer if, if you have a, have a computer. And uh, my profile on my computer – well, no, wait. My, my profile on my smartphone, because I do a lot of Google searches on that, says that I'm a 38 to 44-year-old male. Uh so it's accurate. It's fairly accurate. But what I spend more time on on my computer, um, porn, not so much. And besides, I don't. I disable cookies and go uh, incognito on in that. <laughs> I certainly don't search Google for porn. Why would you? He do goes that? to adamandeve.com. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So don't make me start the song again. <laughs> So my my Don't make me, make Google thinks <laughs> that when I go on my computer that I'm an 18 to 24 year old male uh, who likes rap and hip hop, and most of that is not true. That would be an accurate statement. So the way, but at least it got the male part right. It usually gets that right, correct? So one of my friends went. Uh, she does most of her work from her smartphone, and Google thinks that she is a 56 to 60. Two-year-old male. <laughs> okay. Well, can you explain why it thinks these things? I mean, is it? Well, it's all it's all about tracking it... where you go and tracking your searches, and then uh, it often will also with a cookie will track where you go from that page. So there is probably about maybe two removed from from what your original search. Okay. And but if Google is hosting a site, then that also goes in because you have a tracking cookie on your on your browser. So if 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 cooking site XYZ you go to that site, it assumes that the only people who go to cooking sites are people thirty and up. It says, Okay, yes. this one piece of information says it's probably thirty and up. Don't know male or female, but if you go to goldsgym.com, it's going to assume you're a male for some reason. Or if you go to, you know, pinkfluffyunicorns.com, it assumes you're a female. Wow, yes. that was sexist. Yes, very much so. And Google is very sexist. <laughs> but that's his point. That's, that's the his point. point. Not, not too many males uh, are really into unicorns. Well, no, Pink Google makes unicorns. the assumption that I Go know several, but... The great majority of males... <laughs> Are not in the pink fluffy unicorns, but so Google has assumptions about all these web pages of what they mean for your age and That's for your question. gender. It doesn't really explain. Um, well, Google has never been forthcoming with its algorithms anyway. Well, no, because I don't want to, because that's how they make their money. But it also probably explains why I keep on getting "I'm a Mormon" uh, YouTube commercials on the sidebar of everything. 
because you know you're what? searching date, and date Christian singles. I was going to say, ChristianMingle.com. Yeah, that I'm shows up so- on my Facebook all the time. <laughs> I am all like, really, people? <laughs> okay, but it, it says uh, Google stores the following information in the cookie to associate your ads preferences with the browser you're using. And then it gives, gives an ID. So um, you can go to uh, google.com slash settings slash ads slash on web, and it may just um, pull it up. But we'll also have a link to the Washington Post page that has the The article about this? Yes. Well, that's just strange. It is. It is a strange world we live in. Yes. So... It's like my categories are arts and entertainment, comics and animation, arts and entertainment, humor, computers and electronics, computer security, home and garden. And (laughs) I used to have music, rap, and hip-hop in there, which I have removed because I really don't care. Uh, So I guess the home and garden probably came from when I was looking for ways to pull up weeds a while ago. Okay. And uh, and if you guys haven't got like the super weed puller by Pfizer, it's like... $15 Fifteen dollars at at, uh, at one of the the, the home improvement places, uh, which I will not name. Um, the best money you can ever spend for pulling weeds because it's this big long stick and you step on it and then you pull it back and you wedge it out and so you don't have to bend down to to pick it up. It's the best best money I ever spent. Now what does happen is it leaves huge divots in in the back. Of or in your yard, and so it kind of looks like aliens have been doing touch and go landings. Super uh, gophers. <laughs> yes. So, but if you don't want to strain your back, it's good for that. What about you, Donna? What does your phone I'm say? Looking. So. But it sounds like even though Google makes these assumptions based on its algorithm, you can actually control some of it and say, no, that's not me. Yes. Yeah, you can you can remove and, and edit your category. So I guess you can... Let me see. Which I'm sure they like because it gives them more information of saying, well, this a- algorithm wasn't as accurate as we thought it was. Yes. We can improve it and make more money. And uh, you can also add categories if uh-huh. you want to give them more information. Like so. Atheist Temple Butt Plugs. Yes, I was going to see if I could add boobs. Because, <laughs> damn it, they think I'm an age 18 to 24 male. <laughs> well, then you might have to say boobies. Uh, let's see, my categories, arts and entertainment, arts and ent- um, entertainment movies, arts and entertainment movies, movie reference, arts and <laughs> entertainment movies, science fiction and fantasy films, games, real estate, timeshares, and vacation properties, which is kind of odd. Huh. Uh, my demographics, we infer your age and gender based on what websites you visited. It assumes I'm 25 to 34 and that I'm male. Oh, so that's so a pretty good job. It has made me a younger man who is into real estate. <laughs> Mine's made Mine me too bad it's half my age. Too bad it doesn't say I'm a thinner man. <laughs> I'm not getting the thing up, but I can tell you what mine said on my computer at home. Okay. So that I was a 55 to 64 year old male. <laughs> So and you I and Allie like, should get together. Yeah. <laughs> and we can have some coffee. Bitch. Yeah, talk about the bunions on the bottom of my foot. God, that's so hard. Bunions created by high-heeled shoes. Exactly. And we come full circle again. High-heeled shoes that you can get at adamanium.com. Yes. Probably. Edible high-heeled shoes, probably. Okay. That you can stick in your rectum. <laughs> With an atheist butt plug. Yes. Well, on that note, 
Alrighty then. So we're gonna we're gonna cut this one short today or this week. This this first first day of the February. This day in 2012, our 43rd podcast. You know, this is beginning to feel like Groundhog's Day. Where I think we've done this before. <laughs> <laughs> or it could be like Groundhog's Day, where we've kind of done it before. Well, if you have any story <laughs> ideas, feel free to go to our Facebook page, like us. And then like post fo- um, story ideas to things you think we should talk about. We- yes, please give my poor fiancé a break. <laughs> yeah, write, write a review on iTunes. And let us know, uh, if you don't use iTunes, uh, which one you would like to, to go to. See us on, I guess. See us, yeah. Tell us where to go. And tell us what to do. Where to, tell us where to put it. Tell us we're dirty. <laughs> no, that would just be you. <laughs> and on that note... Have a good week. Bye-bye. Wreck them. <laughs> but wait, before you go, there's one last thing. We are starting a vodcast on YouTube called Uncrossed Wires. It's actually going to be at YouTube slash Skeptic Wire, and it's going to be some more content. So go to... The Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the Podposted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. Um, oh, we have some exciting news. Oh, do we have anything else on it? Yes, poopy pants. On my couch, apparently. Thanks, I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, but we we have some... If Want to try that again, Gary? Yes. So we have... <laughs> Stop hitting me! <laughs> so we have some exciting... Speak better! Speak better! The beatings will continue until morale improves. And speaking. So we have some exciting news. Would you shoot, fucker? Wasn't me.